bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, I'm excited about this episode and my guest, Bob Sherlock. Bob is the partner and chief marketing officer at Chief Outsiders. As a marketing coach, he's helped manufacturing and business-to-business companies discover their hidden values. He's managed marketing and sales at GE for 12 years, and he's the author of Daring Caution, The Executive's Guide to Pricing Improvement. Bob and I met when he was my coach who supported my transition from corporate executive to launching my own business as an executive coach. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Diana. Delighted to be with you. This is going to be great. I can't believe it's been five years. It's like, wow, time flies. (laughs) I can't either. I would have guessed, you know, three and a half, four, maybe. Our topic today is about making a career change. When is it the right time? How to understand and communicate your value? Whether you're moving between roles, companies, or leaving the corporate world to launch your own business. But before we get into our topic, would you share a little bit about your background and what brought you to the role that you're in today? Yeah, so I I had a uh, corporate career with GE and Wix, another uh, public company, and as you mentioned, had a variety of roles. I started in, a, in consumer products management when GE was still in that, then went to GE's corporate marketing staff in, uh, in Connecticut as part of a transition to the business-to-business side of the company, and then managed a sales force and uh, distribution operations as well as additional marketing assignments. Um, then another corporate role at, uh, at Wix in the building materials industry as a chief marketing officer there. And then I pretty much had it with uh, with big corporations at that point, it, having to suffer all the politics and everything else internally. I started and ran a, uh, what was ultimately a, a, a venture funded distribution logistics company. When we wrapped that up, you know, my wife who had moved um, seven times for me um, really liked where we were and said, you know, hey, if you could not move us again, that would be great. I had had some interest in uh, in consulting roles and really was an internal consultant when I was on GE's corporate staff. So I decided I would start um, my own marketing consulting firm and do it until I got tired of it. And, uh, I'm still not tired of it yet. Uh, and I was 2002, so uh, it's been over uh, 17 years. Wow, you have such uh, a very so background. I've been enough in the shoes of my clients that that's been very, very helpful. And also the things I've learned over time, I I developed a point of view as I worked with clients to solve problems where their sales were not growing as fast as they wanted, or they were getting beaten up on price, et cetera. I really developed frameworks that that I've been able to utilize to help them get out of the fix they're in and generate the kind of growth in uh, revenue and profits that they aspire to. Really, really important. Well, let's talk a little bit about your past role as a transition coach. At what point would executives come to you for help? Well, most executives would come when they had been impacted by a reorganization or some other form of job loss. What all of them had in common is, you know, strong performers that never thought that 
their employment situation would come to an end, not of their own accord. And some of them, you know, it, it, it really kind of rocked their world. And they, they were in a position where they did need some help to think about their future differently and to create the future that they wanted. So again, that was probably the most common situation. We would see probably 10% or 15% would come proactively because in terms of where where their career aspirations, you know, where they wanted to go, they could say, hey, I'm, I'm hitting dead ends here and I need to do something proactive about it so that I position myself for the kind of future I envision and not just wait around until somebody decides that, that, that I'm expendable. Yeah, that's, that's what happened with me. My company had eliminated my position, but it was at a time that I was so, so ready for a change. And I think yeah. that's the beauty of using somebody to help you with the transition. And I've coached people now as they are thinking about leaving or transitioning into another uh, chapter of their life is to really hit the pause button and think about what do you want to do? Because people mm-hmm. will jump into something so quickly. And it's like, this is your chance yeah. to really define for yourself, not let others do it for you what this next chapter is. There's a paradigm that I, I when it comes to career development and, and job hunts and, you know, executive job hunts even, and that's you know, this human resources paradigm, like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to update my resume and, you know, I'm going to make contact with recruiters and I'm going to do this and this and this. And they don't really stop back in in many cases, don't step back thoughtfully and say, fundamentally, what am I about? You know, what, what kinds of business problems am I really, really good at solving that companies have? And, you know, how do I find the right companies that have those kinds of problems and position myself and then message myself beyond the resume to find the right kind of opportunities? And, you know, as, as you and I both know, having gone from big corporations to entrepreneurship, it's a very different set of communication tools and communication methods that you have to use. And the resume is probably not even relevant. It, it's really valuable for people to take the time, as you said, to be thoughtful about it, but then also think about true fundamentals. And I know you and I are going to get to that, what some of those fundamentals are because being able to clearly communicate who they're for and, you know, what they're really good at solving and what they're, you know, what kind of results they're really good at providing, all of those things are very transferable, whether you're looking for a defined job in a, in a corporation or starting a company and, and helping uh, organizations be more effective in that way. Also, knowing your background as a marketing uh, executive and somebody who had worked in corporate America and now was starting their own business, because I think you can never get too much information from people who have already walked in the shoes and taken some of those steps that you're aspiring to do. So that was. Yeah, that's right. As you you know, I love mountains and hiking and backpacking and all that sort of stuff. And and if I'm going to get a mountain guide, I'd like to get a guide that has been that route before, as opposed to somebody who's looking with me at the map and trying to figure out the way for the first time. Great analogy. I love it. I know one of the things, even before I came to you as my transition coach, was really, as we said, pausing, stepping back 
got some great advice from an executive coach that I had used, said, make a list of all the things you like to do and don't like to do. And so in this interim, Mm. as things are coming in, you can say, is that something I like to do or that I don't like to do? And that was really clear for me not taking on some, even just some small projects some things that really didn't bring me energy and excite me and started to really narrow it down that I wanted to have my own business. So when I came to you, I was in that mode of, I want my own business, but I don't know what I want to do. But there's a lot of people right now and the world's been crazy for a little bit. And people might be in those shoes saying, I don't know, maybe this is a time for me to move on from a job. So how can people identify when is it the right time to move on from one job? I think we can look at it from two points of view. One is the from the the individual executive's point of view, and the other is thinking about it from the employer's point of view, because both sides of the uh, of the relationship have the power to end their employment relationship. So let's start with how do you know that it's time to proactively uh, do something, explore something. I tell people, and even even people like very early career coming out of school, I say you get paid in two ways, and only one of them is money. The experience, the skills that we build, the accomplishments, the credentials, and so on, that's a very real form of compensation that all of us should be getting from our jobs in mature companies. And so you could look and say, okay, if I have a vision for what I'm capable of or where I'd like to go in my career, if I'm no longer learning enough, growing enough, building enough skills, um, demonstrating enough accomplishments, building my credentials, then it's probably time to move on. So that's from the proactive standpoint. And the other, since employers, as you and I know, because I went through a corporate restructuring too way back, I suggest that executives also stay very attuned to how much value they're creating for their employer and how they're perceived by key individuals that are in a position to affect their employment. The less tangible value is that you're building for the company. I mean, if you're just doing a job, but but if you're not building a lot of tangible value, that's risky. And the smaller the number of other executives and board members and so on that are speaking highly of you, then the more alert you should be to a possible change in your employment status. So even if you're happy doing what you're doing, even if you're learning, growing, everything is good, just really pay some attention would be my advice to the tangible value you're creating for the organization and to building enough endorsement among the people that are in a position to affect your employment status. Both of those can give you signals, you know, whether it's um, sense that things are changing in the organization or your sense of vulnerability that can get you, you know, moving towards a, a job change or just feeling like, hey, everything's great. They love me, but I'm not growing enough and it's time to seek something else. Yeah. And I think about the people that I've coached or that I've worked with that have gone through those same things is, you know, one, these group of people that love their job and they think that they're adding all of this value, but they might have rubbed a few people the wrong way. And at the end of the day, it is about relationships and adding value. So that's one of the things that I will coach my executives on is how would others people talk about you? Who's going to stand up for you? And I like that. Who will endorse you when things are challenging? So great advice. And I really like the piece about uh, you're paid in two ways. And of course, we know the salary and, and all of those tangible 
kind of compensation. But this piece about skills and growing, and I think that's so important. I've coached people that are in wonderful positions, but they don't feel completely um, satisfied or engaged or jazzed up. There's something else that they want to be able to do. And I think now with what's been going on in the world and everybody has a little bit more time maybe to think about and create some additional clarity is I feel like everybody should do what brings them the most joy. And if you can do it in a way that you can earn a living and keep what you want that's important to you in your life, then you should go for it. Yeah. As you you and I both know, it's a very rewarding way to not just earn a living, but feel like we are contributing. It's just so, so satisfying. I've always thought of the ratio between good stuff and bad stuff in a role. Like when I was in, you know, mid-management or even senior management jobs, I felt like many weeks I spent 85 to 90% of my time on things where I neither enjoyed it, nor was it really my sweet spot. And what ultimately prompted me to say, hey, I've got to do something different and and maybe take a little bit of career risk, et cetera, is I want to be spending 75, 80% of my time in a zone where I feel satisfaction and I know I'm adding value, et cetera. And there's always going to be the, you know, the BS and the admin and so on. But I I felt like, boy, if I can keep that to only 15 to 20% of the role, it's almost the automatic work-life balance too, because there's so much satisfaction that, that comes from being in your sweet spot. Yes, so true. I recently interviewed Frank Cottle, CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices, for one of our last episodes about enabling remote work. And he was talking about how he really sees the world has shifted, and he doesn't think we're going back to the old normal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So today you help mid-size and emerging companies embrace their value. And I want to talk a little bit about why you're so valuable for companies as they create and adjust their marketing efforts, and then come back to people in career transitions. Although most people don't realize it, there's a lot that we can learn about marketing our own skills from companies that do it really well. So to start, what characteristics and qualities make a business valuable? And what are you seeing? You know, it's it's a great question and it's extremely timely because what you talked about, I mean, we're what now a month or you know, give or take into this whole COVID-19 uh, crisis and all of, all that that is spawning. So that affects the answer a little bit, but there's some common elements that were true in the past and will also be true in the future. So all of the companies that, that I work with and, and that my firm chief outsiders work with, they all want to become more valuable. And a couple of the situations that lead them to work with us are, number one, things were going well, and then the world changed. And that was true before, only now there's even more companies that's like, holy cow, you know, they realize that they're going to have to do something very different now with their business model or with how they market and sell to rebuild demand, because whatever new normal we get to in many, many industries, if not most, it's going to look really different. And and so people have to be thinking and are thinking ahead to, okay, what do we do differently? The other situation, even before the current crisis, companies w- would um, seek to work with us because they weren't satisfied with the level of sales and margins that they could expect unless they do 
did something different and they could tell, hey, maybe our market plan has got missing pieces and so we're gonna have to do something different. So whatever the situation that prompts the cause, you know, getting back to your question about how does a company become ever more valuable? I see five business model variables that a company has to get right. And these may well need to be revamped over time in order to stay valuable. So here are the five variables. One is the types of customers that they serve. And then the problem or problems that those customers have in common that you know the selling company can solve. So that pairing of a customer with a problem or a customer type with a problem, getting that right and figuring out what problem do we wanna focus on solving for our customers and for a given type of customer, the, that pairing is really, really important. The third variable is, What's the service and product bundle that the company provides that, that will solve that problem for that customer type? The fourth variable is the solution. And then the fifth is how do we get paid? So the key to creating a valuable company is to pay attention to those five fundamental strategy variables and be willing to revisit them when the world changes or when you know, you're not satisfied with the results that you're getting. Um, you know, again, so those five elements define the business model and it's very timely to be thinking about those. And then the other key piece, the more clearly that your company's messaging speaks to the problem that you solve for your target customer type and the value that solving that problem creates for the customer, then the more successful the company is going to be in attracting enough of the right kinds of customers and enough business from them at profitable prices few companies fully understand their own value. A friend of mine says, you can't, you can't read the label from inside the wine bottle. Um, so if you don't fully understand your own value, that value is going to stay hidden. And so where I take a lot of, of, of joy is working with companies and their customers and prospects to figure out what the true value is, find that hidden value, and then message it and price to get paid for it and developed a, a way of doing that systematically. And that's how I'm able to help companies become more valuable. Great approach. I love those strategy variables. So how do you translate that experience into helping individuals market themselves and demonstrate their personal value? It's actually a similar process. And it's one of the reasons why I did work on uh, helping individuals market themselves and, and career transitions. Eventually, it just got hard to juggle it all, but, but, but I missed doing that part. So the thought process was very similar. Is that, and, and now I can maybe advise people on what to do. Like What I want to understand is what makes each individual special and valuable to the companies that might employ them or the companies that might be clients for their coaching or consultancy. And so I would say as an individual, figure out what's special and valuable about you, understand your own skills and accomplishments, and then seek a deep understanding of what kinds of companies have the right kinds of problems that you are ideally suited to solve. And also get really clear in the outcomes that you as an individual executive or you know consultant or coach what outcomes can you create for those companies? Because after we know those things, then it's just a matter of developing effective messaging and developing a communications campaign so that you as an individual and your target companies can find each other and see the potential value. 
Those are such great questions. And I think about people that I interact with when they're looking at starting their own business, they don't Mm -hmm. always go through those. And I think, you know, anybody out there that's thinking about a business, having those and really thinking through all the way down to how do you get paid? Because you can have great ideas, but if people are not going to pay you for those, you're not going (laughs) to be able to stay in the lifestyle that you may need or want. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, um, you know, if you're not clear on your own value, you have to understand it, be able to put it into terms that that the hiring executives or the the client side that's going to engage you to be a consultant or coach to them. They've got to be able to see that. And you really arm and equip them with messaging that if there's somebody else that needs to be consulted on the decision internally or somebody else that needs to sign off, give them the best messaging you can so that they become your champion and your champion is well armed to make the case for you if you can't be there to do it yourself. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the most valuable things interacting with you and you coaching me when I was transitioning is really helping me to get more clear on what was my value proposition because I was kind of all over the place and I could do this and I could do that. And and just you asked some great questions. So do you have additional tips on helping maybe somebody in our audience who wants to really better define what their value proposition is? Yeah, absolutely. So, so here are some steps that they could take to figure out where their own value is. You're familiar probably with um, star stories that as people develop their resumes, and as you know, it's an acronym situation. What was the situation that your organization faced? And then the T, what was the task or the work required of you? And the A, what action do you take? And then finally the R, what was the result? And that's going in the right direction. But then I advise people, let's let's get in a little bit more tightly focused and specific and be able to define what was the problem that you needed to solve and what were the negative consequences if the problem wasn't addressed. There's lots of situations. We've all seen them in companies, whether it's the companies that we work for or the companies that are our clients, where you can see that the situation's not good but they'll live with it unless the consequences are made really clear is something like, hey, this is, this is too costly to, you know, to continue suffering. We've got to do something about it. So I would encourage people, you know, really speak to what was the problem you need to solve, the negative consequences if the problem wasn't addressed. And then you can get into, okay, here's what I did. Here's the, the nature of the work and the actions I took. And then uh, finally, deep dive into the results that you created and and what the financial impact was for the organization. If you can do those things and then pick instead of, well, I could do this, I could do this, I've been a lot of stuff. Well, that's good, but the executive audience can't absorb generalities, et cetera. And it feels safer to people to be able to say, well, I'm versatile, I can do a whole lot of different things, but it's actually less safe to go to market that way, whether it's in a job search or whether as coach or consultant or other service provider, it's actually much more powerful, much less risky. If you can say, here's the problem that I know a lot of companies face that is too costly and, you know, nasty to leave unsolved. And here's how I solve that. And here's the results that it produces. Paradoxically, that is the way to succeed 
faster in a job search or in trying to find the right set of clients. It's a case of really understanding, like getting away from the resume per se and, you know, HR, well, I'll just send my resume to recruiters or I'll send it to HR or I'll send it to hiring executives, you know, and expect that the chronological resume or even a functional resume is going to tell a story. No, really, really think about the problems that you're ideally suited to solve and the outcomes that you make possible for you know, somebody that you're going to work for either as a, an employed executive or as a service provider, because then you just cut through a whole lot of confusion and get very, very clear for people and they can see your value. Yeah, that is great advice. And I see it more times than not when people want to start their own business or they're looking for some coaching, they want to stay so broad so that they'll, you know, they can take any of the business in. And that really can backfire because when people are looking for something specific, they want an expert and they want somebody that has these proven results uh, that they can depend on. So, right. And then once you get in and you do that, and I see this all the time, there's one uh, executive that I think it's been 15 years, you know, in a series assignment of all that time. And this executive knows what my sweet spot is. You know, when he called last spring, he said, look, I got something that I know it's not normally what you do day to day, but I just know you'd be great at it. You know me, you know what I'm trying to accomplish. And then, oh, by the way, I got some of the other stuff that's in your sweet spot. Once you're known and you demonstrate that you're somebody that can be counted on, some of the other stuff will come. And if it's too far afield, you know, then I and anybody else would say, nah, you know, you got to find somebody better for that than me. But in this one particular case, it's like, yeah, I could do that stuff in my sleep. It's interesting you brought up the star approach. I learned that, gosh, maybe 25, 30 years ago when I was a new recruiter and, you know, learning how to interview people quickly to really see if they had the the knowledge and skills and results, you know, to fill the competencies right. we were looking for. And, and it's been yeah. interesting because I still coach people today when you're getting ready to interview for a position, yeah. really think yeah. through your accomplishments. But I love how you brought that into determining what you want to do in the future and your value proposition, because you need to have a clear understanding of what are your strengths so that you can really articulate them in a way through the results. I love that piece so that you can influence other people. But it also helped me when I was doing that exercise to say, what am I really good at? And then look at that. And then what do I get excited about? I might be good at this other thing, but it's not where I want to go in my next chapter. Yeah, exactly. And then once you've got a hypothesis as to your area of focus and so on, go test that hypothesis. I mean, some of the best conversations I've ever had were when I had a new concept that I thought would be pretty interesting to people, but was there really demand? And the prop I put was, hey, look, I'm, I'm working on this new concept that I think potentially could work you know, for companies in your industry. Could I have the benefit of running this idea by you and then asking your your honest, unvarnished perspective that if you say, oh, I think you're onto something, Bob, great. But if you think I'm smoking dope or something, just say, look, man, sorry, buddy, I don't see it. And people responded so well to that. And it helped me to shift because um, the original hypothesis 
I could tell it was not going to land in the marketplace. But as a result of the insights I got from those conversations, I could pivot it into something else that ultimately was better received. So don't be shy of it. You don't have to just decide, okay, any, anything that I need to know, I already know. It's no, go, go test things in the marketplace. Once you figure out what that sweet spot is and what you think you could offer to be valuable, some, get some people to give you some, uh, some take on it and then listen thoughtfully to the results. You know, don't be easily discouraged, but, um, but if people are telling you to, you know, that there's a much bigger problem to solve than the one that you thought or like more common problem that can be solved that, that actually would also fit well with your skill sets, then it's like, Hey, maybe, maybe that's what I lead with because three times as many executives say they have that problem as the one I, I thought I was going to target. Yeah, no, that's terrific advice. And I was really pleasantly surprised when I was transitioning uh, into my own business is I reached out to a lot of people that I had interacted with and people are so willing to give you their perspective or share, you know, the things that they've learned or the, you know, right. things that you have to be careful, don't do these things, learn from my mistakes. And I, I yeah. think that really is a great way to help um, to better define the right path for you, the right steps, and to have some allies that you can use as your sounding board too. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I thought you did that really well. Yeah, it's, you know, and you don't realize how big your network is until you start to really step back and write down who have I interacted with? Who could help me? Who could I help? Who has some of these yeah. potential problems that could give me some really honest feedback? And I think we all have those. And maybe to our listeners right now, if you don't have enough of those, is that's another great thing to think about is building that network. Because later on, when you are ready to take that next step, that next chapter, of your life, you'll have those resources. And I always coach people, you know, when people reach out, respond back, because in the future, yeah. you might be asking them. Well, that's, that's absolutely right. There are some companies, I mean, GE was one for many years, and it might still be where there's such a strong internal labor market that you don't see the need often when you're within that to be building relationships outside within your industry and outside your industry. But boy, the day comes where it's like, oh, I got a really narrow network. And then you really, it takes a while to build. So I agree with your point, Diana. You know, if if you're in a company, even if everything is hunky-dory and you're satisfied and you're happy and you're growing and you, you plan to be with your organization for a long time, build and nurture that network because there's going to be all kinds of personal and professional satisfaction that comes from it. But there'll be people that will be sounding boards for you down the road. And that's just so, so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So let's learn a little bit more about you. Who has had the greatest impact on your professional life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's influence? I've been incredibly lucky to have so many people helped me along the way. I think I've always been intrigued for a long time with the concept of karma. And I have a karma deficit. If I help somebody every day for the rest of my life, I'm still going to be on the, uh, I, uh, I will still be owing. With respect to understanding this whole thing about creating value and uh, being able to message it, 
there's a gentleman named Bob May um, who passed on, I think, a number of years ago. He's um, one of the executives who formed the logistics business at FedEx. And he went on to run other companies. And he was really instrumental in taking me to one that focused on the difference that, you know, that we could make in the customer's business. So I would certainly like to think I would have eventually figured it out on my own, but he is the the one that I credit the most in starting my journey towards creating what ultimately became my visible value uh, approach to, to finding hidden value and messaging it, pricing to get paid for it. Terrific. What final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions? The human resources function and all of its pieces adds tremendous value for for companies. Um, the downside I've seen as it as executives come out and either want to start their own consultancies or coaching practices, or they want to go on to find another executive role, you know, an existing company is that paradigm about the resumes and hiring managers and just kind of staying in there and, and, and all of that. I, it's not sharply focused enough on, on getting very clear on the value that you can create for an employer or a client and, and doesn't produce in most cases, I think, sharp enough message to make your value as an individual clear and visible. So I think the strategic marketing view and some of those variables that I talked about before is like, let me really think about a type of organization and a type of problem that I think I'm really, really good at solving. Let me understand that. Let me get clear on what it is that I can do that's going to make them better off and then get really good at being able to describe and, and message in what ways they're going to be better off and in quantifying the financial value to the organization, whether it's more revenue, whatever the, the impact is, or you know, faster balance sheet turnover, really get clear on that stuff. And that's going to be a much more powerful paradigm, I think, for helping you prepare your messaging uh, and run an effective executive job search or run an effective um, marketing and, and business development campaign for your coaching uh, or consulting practice. Um, so again, probably more of a, a recap, um, but but I want to hit that point hard because I think it's really, really powerful. Yes. And, and that is your forte. So, so appreciate yeah. you helping our audience and just reminding myself as well is, you know, get clear you know, on right. that value proposition and, and work through that and make sure that you stay focused because it's really easy to get distracted. Yeah, it is. It is. So how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more from you? Oh, thank you. Um, I invite people to connect with me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn address would be linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Bob Sherlock. Um, and then also my email is bsherlock at chiefoutsiders.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your advice based on your experience and, and what you bring to the table. Based on my interaction with you and knowing you, I don't think you're at a karma deficit. I think you give so much and it's so appreciated. All right. Well, it's my pleasure to do it. So nice to uh, spend time with you, Diana. It's been great to 
great to have this conversation. And um, I do hope that it that it's valuable to your listeners. And again, it, it's just been a, a pleasure to, to interact with you again. And here's the summary for today's episode. Whether you know you're ready for a change or one is handed to you, career transitions are a major opportunity to reassess what fulfills you. Rather than jump right into the next move, take the time to define what you want to be doing and what kinds of problems you excel at solving. We get paid in two ways. One of them is money and the other items in your compensation package. And the second is the experience, the skills you build, accomplishments, credentials, and other ongoing learning opportunities. If you're no longer learning enough, building skills, and demonstrating new accomplishments, that can be a sign that it's time to move on. In marketing, there are five business model variables that a company has to get right, and these create a paradigm of knowing your own value as an individual. One, the types of customers you serve and the problems those customers have in common. Two, the problems you want to solve for those customers. Three, the product and or service bundle that solves the problem. Four, the way you deliver the solution. And five, the way you get compensated. Those five points are behind a company's messaging, speaking to the problem you can solve and articulating the value of solving that problem. When it comes to individuals marketing our own skills, articulating our value is one of the most frequently missed pieces that's so important to get right. When you have a deep understanding of the problems you're good at solving, pair that with an equally deep understanding of how much value you deliver by solving those problems. Once you know those two things, you can create a powerful message that communicates your value. And don't be afraid to go narrow on your value. Rather than trying to be all things to all people, choose one specific problem that you solve very well and go all in on it. Doing so is much more powerful and therefore less risky than trying to be a generalist. Once you have a hypothesis about your area of focus, test it out. Tap into your network and seek feedback. Is the problem you want to solve a real problem that people are deeply concerned about solving? Test the market and be open to honest criticism. Being clear on your value is far more powerful than a polished resume that shows your history. Whether you're seeking an executive role or establishing your own business, people want to see how you can help them solve pressing problems. Join us in two weeks to learn from a very strategic and pragmatic talent leader. She has a long track record of leading large-scale talent initiatives to create lasting organizational impact. You won't want to miss this one. And don't forget to sign up on our website, talent-champions.com, so that you can receive email notifications when new episodes are released, and you'll also receive bonus content from our guests. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.